Hi there and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, June 29, 2020. ESPN senior writer and objective Mariners fan Dave Schoenfield joins us today. Kyle Sapi expertly researches, produces, and gets full credit for everything. And I am Eric Carabell. Somebody just had to host. Dave, uh, baseball's coming. Uh, the players are reporting the summer camp this week. We could call it spring training, but it's really summer camp for three weeks. Rosters are taking shape. And unfortunately, not everyone is 100% healthy. But I do hope and pray that you, Dave, are healthy and ready to go for baseball season. Uh, I'm healthy, Eric. I hope you're still in one piece. I know you returned to the uh, softball diamond on Sunday. Um, at your age, you know, I know it's never a sure thing how you're feeling. <laughs> My age. <laughs> no, that's not very nice. <laughs> you know, I'm not 75 years old, although I played like it. Uh, Dave, uh, what have you noticed over the past week or so? Obviously, since we last spoke to you, baseball has made plans to return. Um, there is a schedule, though we don't know about it yet, but it'll be 60 games. And we're hearing more and more reports of players, unfortunately, succumbing to the virus, which means they're out of action for two weeks. And uh, hopefully they return after that. But obviously, this is a slippery slope here. We're hoping baseball gets played. And you being someone who covers baseball and understands fantasy, what's your overall take here? Are you optimistic that there will be a 60-game season? I don't know, Eric. I guess I'm still kind of down the middle. You know, I, I just we're going to wait and see what happens once teams start reporting. And I know they're going to be testing players religiously, you know, heading into into that camp and probably every day. But how easy would it be for a virus to sort of, you know, go through an entire team? Not that all 50 or 60 players are going to test positive, but if you get a dozen or so, um, what happens? You know, we've seen some of the leaks on the health protocol guidelines. There's no specifics on like a magic number. If X number of players test positive, what happens? You know, um, so we don't know what that number is. But aside from that, yeah, I guess in a couple of days we'll, we'll see players, you know, throwing baseballs and taking batting practice. And, um, you know, hopefully by July 24th we'll, we'll see some baseball. Right. And this week the schedule should come out. There's been a rumor the Yankees and Nationals will be the first game. And we'll get to Garrett Cole and the value of pitchers in a second here. What would it take? I don't want to be negative here, but what would it take? Like, We don't want to see a baseball game in which half of the Blue Jays are 19-year-old single-A players because, you know, the starting lineup is all sick or quarantined. I, I wonder what baseball would do in that case if so many players in an organization were unavailable for certain days. Would they push it back and have doubleheaders later? Like, there's no, like, like room here to, like, play a game after the season. It's going to be tough. Yeah, that's where the guidelines are. They're not specific right now. So in the health protocols, there's three things that can cancel a season. One, if there's general travel restrictions across the country, which that I don't think is going to happen. We haven't had anything like that. Toronto right now, that's a little separate issue because of the Canada restrictions. We'll see what happens there. Number two is if, you know, the commissioner with the union just decide for the safety of the players, the season has to be canceled. Maybe, you know, that's vague. And the third one does say if the, if the competitive integrity of the season is at risk, meaning if too many players test positive, then they can also cancel the season. But again, that number is vague. So I don't, I have no idea. You know, I think 
teams are going to be ha- have to be careful. I've read like college football teams when they start practicing, they're going to make sure like none of their offensive linemen are living together. You don't want an entire unit to go down. So teams aren't going to want Garrett Cole hanging out with James Paxton and Mahmoud Tanaka. I mean, I'm not trying to joke, but you kind of want to keep players separated as much as possible and away from the field as well. Well, the biggest thing from – let's start talking a little bit about fantasy baseball here. The biggest change, I think, for this 60-game schedule, uh, because there's only like three weeks of summer training here instead of you know normal spring training, is Garrett Cole on opening day is probably not pitching six innings and not because he's going to get lit up. I think it's because he's not going to be ready yet. So I talked on last week's shows that if starting pitchers are going three innings or 60 pitches for the first three or four times around, you only have two months. Like, why would you draft Garrett Cole with the 10th overall pick? He should be number 30 now because his value and all starting pitchers' value is down. Do you agree? Yeah, no, and I I heard you and Tristan talk a little bit about that. And, yeah, it has to be. I mean, they're just not going to pitch as many innings, you know, unless they change the win rule, which they haven't said anything about that yet. They're not going to get those wins early in the year if they're not going five innings. Look, it won't take long for them to ramp up, but – yeah, probably what? I would say their first two or three starts, you know, they're not going to be going seven innings. So, you know, maybe even just three or four that first outing. I think we're going to see a lot of tandem starters. You know, guys, starter pitches three, another starter comes in and pitches the next three. We might see that for a couple of weeks. What I envision, Dave, is that Vince Velasquez starts a game for the Phillies the first weekend gets pounded for six runs in three innings. Nick Pavetta relieves him, allows another five runs in his three innings. So I think tandems might work really well. And the same for your team, Seattle. Not, starting pitching is not exactly deep there. You know, I, you can look at Marco Gonzalez and say maybe he's not a big fantasy factor. He might be more ready for the season because of how hard he doesn't throw, whereas Garrett Cole throwing hard and with all that money invested, maybe the Yankees don't want to push him early on. So – I think there's a bunch of things you can look. I think starting pitching is the big key. These guys can fall out of bed and hit a baseball, but throwing a baseball with arms and injuries, that's a totally different thing. Yeah, and teams are going to be really cautious. Like Garrett Cole, prime example, you know, because he's going to want to go out there, you know, new uniform, new contract, and throw 100 from day one. He's got to be careful, and the team has to be careful with the way they handle him. You know, no – reason to push these guys early on but those competitive juices you gotta keep those under control and that's going to be up to the managers and the pitching coaches to do that yeah it should be interesting so we should find out soon about the schedule but i'm going to update my rankings and move all the starting pitchers down so how, because i just i just don't think they're going to be as valuable well, how far like garrett cole i don't know where where he is on your rankings right now obviously he's a top 10 overall player uh, you know I would say top five if you're the kind of guy that loves fantasy pitching. How far do you drop him then? Doesn't it have to be like a third round? I I just don't – you could make the case that Cole is one of the guys or DeGrom who could have like an 075 ERA if he makes 10 starts. But if he only wins two of them, that's a problem. That's a category, you know? like (laughs) So like – I made the case last week that nobody would have normally taken, say, not to pick on Anthony Rizzo, but Anthony Rizzo's not going in the first 30 picks. But Anthony Rizzo over Garrett Cole makes sense. Rizzo's going to play every day, you know, 60 games, maybe it's 15 home runs. 
you know, maybe knocks in 40. He's going to be a four-category player. Garrett Cole probably won't be able to do that because of the short spring-summer training here. That's my point. But is there – I guess I would ask, and this is where we need Tristan's spreadsheet, but you know this from all your fantasy experience. Cole's value relative to other pitchers is still high. Yes. So is there still value there? But the win total will be stunted. If if Garrett Cole wins as many games as, as you know Oakland middle reliever Yusmera Petit, then it all changes. Right, right. That's I, yeah. the thing. Like, is he still in Oakland? I think the point being that like a middle reliever type who can pitch three or four days a week, I better make sure Yusmera Petit is on Oakland. Um, that would – yeah, he is. He's like their top setup man. That would change Garrett Cole's value because of the wins category. Right. He'll still get a good ERA whip and strikeouts, but – if Petit is pitching almost as many innings, that's what I see happening. Let's talk about players that you you talked about in your piece, Mookie Betts. So Mookie Betts versus Garrett Cole, you could have made the case for either one in a, in a six-month season. You can't make it now. Um, it has to be Mookie Betts. He's a top-five pl- fantasy player. But what do you think happens in a, in a two-month season in terms of motivation for guys like Mookie, JT Real Muto, Trevor Bauer, who's always fun to deal with. These guys are playing for contracts, and I assume they're not going to get what they would have gotten before. No, they, no, they won't. And that's a separate issue from, you know, their fantasy value. I Why wouldn't they be motivated? You know, I've, I've been asked that question on a couple of radio interviews, especially on if you're a team like the Dodgers or the Phillies who's expected to win or hoping <laughs> to win, you know, you're going to be motivated. Now that doesn't mean to say, you know, the, the act, the extra energy that you get from playing in front of a crowd. Yeah. Maybe that hurts some players a little bit, but there's no way of knowing that. And you can't factor that into your evaluation. So I expect Mookie to have a big year. If they play 60 games, he'll probably play 60. Why would you sit any of your star players, you know? Well, you can make the case that because these teams have extra roster spots, um, that they can be more open to sitting players, um, you know, with minor nicks and injuries. The other problem here is it's a kind of a guessing game. We know which players are more brittle than others. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton, pitchers coming back from injury. We have no idea who's more likely or less likely to catch the virus. Yeah. I don't want to guess. You know, that, that seems wrong to me. No. You and that's can't. what the season will be decided on. Like, the Dodgers are not going to be able to win the World Series if half their team gets this virus. That, that's going to be part of the problem. Yeah. No, you can't, you can't analyze <laughs> the impact of the virus in any way because it's just an, it's an unknown. I guess the Dodgers, maybe they're so good, they'll rest players, you know. But remember, we're not having an expanded playoffs, normal playoffs. So there's going to be that. you got to get off to a good start. You don't want to start 2-8. and eight. So I think, I think the star players are going to play pretty much every day. Um, we talked about the designated hitter impact on, for fantasy purposes last week. There's obvious things like Kyle Schwarber. But may, maybe the Dodgers give Mookie Betts a rest on Thursday, let him DH, and they dump Matt Beattie in right field or something like that. So I think the DH is going to have a lot of impact. But our friend Todd Zola, who does our projections at ESPN Fantasy, also noted that NL starting pitching is going to be greatly affected by the fact that the designated hitter is in the NL. 
And he, he's even recommending that you, you should draft American League starting pitchers over NL ones now because of the change that they're going to have to go through. And then when I look at the schedule, Dave, I see like everybody's playing 40 within the division and then 20 outside with the other, the AL team versus NL. So to me, that's muted a little bit. Do you have thoughts on AL pitchers versus NL now? Yeah, what's the DH advantage? Like <clears throat> 0.03 of ERA or so? Yeah, I mean, it's at least half a run of ERA. So maybe not on J- Jacob DeGrom, but on Jake Arrieta, this ain't going to help. That's yeah. for sure. No, it's a, it's a small impact. You know, I would say however you've uh, evaluated your NL pitchers, you know, you got to add a few tenths of ERA. Um, that makes sense. Um, is you know, can you single out any one guy? I'd be wor- worried about the guys that give up home runs because now they're going to be facing another hitter who's more likely to hit a home run. Um, so yeah, that's most pitchers will be adversely affected. I don't think this bodes well for Mike Leak, yeah. <laughs> right? And but I, when I was thinking about the Phillies, that's my favorite team. You know, it's not, not only do they have to face their division in which every team except maybe the Marlins is a contender, but the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, yeah, I mean, they've got to face the American League East. So it's a little bit unfair in the schedule because, like, Cleveland faces only four teams that won more than they lost, more than they lost last year. Cleveland and Minnesota, that's it. Yeah, no, the schedule, you're right. It, it's huge. Um, yeah, if you're a Cleveland pitcher – they're playing what 20, one third of their games against the Royals and the Tigers. Yeah. And yeah. so that's huge. And then the other third against, you know, the NL central, which is probably the second worst division, maybe the NL West is worse. Um, but yeah, NL East pitchers, I would downgrade a little bit because other than Baltimore, you got four pretty good lineups um, in the AL East, you know, so the schedule, it's, because the the proportion of your schedule against one team is much higher. So I'm all in on Cleveland pitchers, Minnesota hitters, you know, stuff like that. Right. I think, like, one of my actionable changes in the rankings will be Mike Clevenger perhaps moving into the top ten of starting pitchers because I didn't have him in there before. Mike Clevenger was probably not going to be ready for opening day. He's probably not going to – a guy who over a six-month season – makes 32 starts, but now he's got a 10-start season, 10 to 12 starts, go all out. Cleveland can win the World Series this year, absolutely. I think Mike Clevenger could be a top 10, so he could be he could have an ERA 150 this year. Hey, look, he's already one of the most underrated pitchers, right? I mean, 271 ERA last year, yeah, only 21 starts, but 12.1 Ks per nine, a whip barely over one. He might have been a yeah. Now that we know, you know, he would have missed the start of the season. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I think he's definitely top ten. And I know you have him on a couple of your uh, fantasy and slim teams. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he helps. He, he's so good. I mean, wasn't he even better down the stretch when he, when he came back from the injury. Like he doesn't give up runs. His run prevention is is extreme. And, you know, also he's probably not as durable as, as Garrett Cole or DeGrom. But I think you would have to take a chance. I mean, I guess Jose Barrios to some degree as well is going to have the same schedule as Cleveland is, as Clevenger is. But um, I'm going to be moving up some of those Minnesota and Cleveland pitchers as well. Um, you know, the extra inning thing, 
where you get to start an extra inning with a runner on second base does have an actionable um, theme in fantasy in that closers are going to give up more runs and blow more saves. Like if you bring in Kirby Yates for the 10th inning, San Diego, and you know, the Dodgers get to start the inning with a, a run, a fast runner on second base. Well, he's going to give up the run in a lot of, in most cases, would that affect how you view closers for fantasy purposes? Well, here's the key. That run will be considered an unearned run. Right. So it won't hurt their ERA. Um, it won't affect their whip. That runner won't count against them. It's like a team base runner. Um, so I don't know if that changes the impact on how I would evaluate closers. I mean, it's spread equally across the leagues. If you're good, you're <laughs> – you're good, and if you're bad, I think it's going to result. You know, something I didn't say on the conversation last week. I thought about it right after the show. Was Kirby Yates is likely to win more games as well because his team gets a chance to bat with that runner on second base in the same inning. So I think you're going to see like Rayzel Iglesias win as many games as Garrett Cole potentially. Right. It's just, you're going to so, see some weird stuff. Yeah, I would. You're, I think you're right because teams are going to want to get their closer in. They're not going to wait for the lead, right? Yeah. So that would tend to suggest closers will get a few more wins than they normally Well, I don't know, actually, because you're giving credit to managers for a style that they just don't employ anymore. Even well, the genius yeah. Joe Madden doesn't do that anymore. No, Nobody's going to use their closer in a tie game on the road, you know, because Buck Showalter tells them not to. Um Right, I mean, they're going to wait until they have the lead, but that's just not going to happen. I, I just don't know. You would like to in sim we do this, but in real life they don't. I think it's going to end up with closers getting more wins at, proportionally to saves, and yeah, you can say yeah, maybe Josh Hader moves into like the fifth round now. If I guess you're right, we got to see how it plays out. I'm thinking if you're a manager and you're the visiting team and you wait until you score. You know, and you wait, so then the game goes 11, 12 innings, and maybe your closer never gets in the game. Don't you have to get him in earlier? Because you got to prevent that runner from second from scoring. So you need to basically go through all your best relievers. See, you're, you're speaking logically. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're speaking logically, but I think we're going to end up seeing like Ranger Suarez lose games to the Phillies when they don't bring in Hector Neris in the right spot. I, I don't know. I, I want to see at managers change, but I'm not optimistic that they're going to use their – if the Phillies are tied 3-3 in the ninth inning, Hector Neris should be brought in, home or road. Yeah. But managers don't do that in road games. They want to they want their closer to protect leads because they're embarrassed that they use a lesser a – lesser, they don't want – the Phillies don't want to use Blake Parker to, to try to close out a win in the 10th inning because if it doesn't work out, the manager takes flack. So that's part of the problem there. Um, so home runs. <laughs> Do you think baseball is more or less likely to use the same baseball as last year in an attempt to get more attention? I think they are. And, well, I mean, there's been so much bad press. One would think, like, they should not go back to the baseball from last season because that was just over-the-top ridiculous. But they want attention, too. So I would think that they're more likely to use those baseballs with no drag this year. I don't want to see that. Not that I want to go back to, you know, little second baseman batting second and sacrifice bunting all the time. But 
when when you don't you can't remember all the three home run games from last year because there were like fifteen of them, that's a problem too. Well, you're acting like baseball actually has control over the manufacturing of course they process. Do. <laughs> I would oh, so here's what I would do. So the last three years, home runs per game per team, one point two six in seventeen, one point one five in eighteen, and then way up to one point three nine. Last year, I would average those three together. So I don't think we're going to see quite as many home runs, although we're also eliminating those cold weather games that affect, you know, the home run totals a little bit in April. I don't think we're going to see a drastic change either way. I would say draft as many home runs as you can, people, in fantasy, because we have no idea how many home runs it will take to win our leagues. Yeah. And in general – that's what everybody's trying to do at the plate. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it's the ball the last three years, and especially last year. But this is what players are trying. They're not trying to hit singles. They're trying to hit home runs. It's their intent. So your early draft picks in fantasy, I would argue, have to be power guys. And if they're power guys that can steal a base, it doesn't have to be Christian Yelich stealing 30, but it's got to be somebody who contributes a little bit there push back the starting pitchers, maybe even to the point where I would rank the top closers where I would rank the top 20 starting pitchers, where I would never do that before. But I think this year it changes everything in a shortened season. Um, you know, And then I'm going to start ranking prospects, Dave, higher than I would have. Um, the starting pitchers like Nate Pearson and Mackenzie Gore, Spencer Howard, they have to be in their team's rotations. I, I picked the Padres – on something last year as a team that will make the playoffs. I think it was the MLB piece where I said the Padres are a dangerous team. If they call Mackenzie Gore, he's their number one or two starter. He only has to make 10 starts. <laughs> they can play around with those starts and give him extra days off. You're going to see these pro- – why can't Toronto, Philadelphia, and San Diego make the playoffs with these future aces? They can't. Yeah, look. Yeah, No, absolutely. They're <laughs> Nate Pearson is one of Toronto's five best starting pitchers. You know, so – and he was – tearing it up in spring training, you know, back in March, only a few innings, but he looked great. I noticed the Tigers, uh, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Terry Skubal were all on their, you know, 60-man provisional roster. I think we're going to see all three of those at some point. Are they high picks? No, but when you're filling out that last place or two on your roster, absolutely consider some of those top pitching prospects. And we should note here that there's still going to be financial shenanigans. So Toronto is more likely, I think it's about a week to 10 days that they have to keep a guy like Nate Pearson in the minors to keep his clock for the extra season. So when we say things on this show and write things that like Nate Pearson is going to be great, and then you say, you tweet us and say, you're an idiot. He's not even on, on their active roster. He's going to be the second time around, I think, in the rotation. So he might miss one start. But in order to get an extra year out of Pearson, the Blue Jays are doing the right thing, the smart thing. Now, I hope this gets ripped up in the collective bargaining agreement, but the, like the Chris Bryant you know, scandal, where the, the Cubs knew he was ready, and they still let him percolate for two weeks in the minors, saying he needed to work on his defense or whatever. That happens again this year, but it's one week instead of like two or three. Yeah, for us nerds, you know, how, how teams manipulate these rosters is – Really fascinating, you know. Um, so we'll see how, how all that plays out. But yeah, you know, Nate Pearson, maybe he's not there the first turn, first time through the rotation, but 
he's going to be there. You know, um, you mentioned a couple of the other guys. Uh, I saw Wander Franco is on the ring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we've talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Now, just because he's on this 60-man roster doesn't mean he's going to be their starting third baseman or whatever on opening day, but that means he is there of use to them if needed. Um, so go through every team's roster and see what the top prospects are who might you know get called up at some point. And what were you doing when you were 19 years old? Were you playing infield for the Rays? That's unbelievable. And I, I just – my, I'm the only one I think I've seen saying this. I, I think he debuts at third because they have a decent shortstop and they don't really have anybody at third base who's, you know, Brooks Robinson or anything. So I think Franco is big enough. He was going to move off shortstop anyway. But if Tampa Bay's in the race in mid-September, why wouldn't you make Wander Franco a part of your active roster? So I think it's important that these teams are putting their prospects on the 60-man just in case. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, Willie Adamas, very good defensive shortstop. He's probably not going anywhere. But Franco, he can play third. He can play second. I know when I was down at spring training back in March, the Rays had told me they intended to use Brandon Lau a lot more in the outfield this year. Now, I don't know if you take everything people said in March and throw it out. But if that's, you know, the case, Franco could see maybe time at second base as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting there too. And and there's somebody in one of our sim leagues who's clearly tanking for Wander Franco, <laughs> and I I can't even tell him not to. I mean, like I think Franco could be a generational Alex Rodriguez type of player, real life and fantasy. And that guy wasn't going to win anyway. Um, plus, I threw I had to throw him out of the playoffs last year. Um, let's move on. In that predictions column, I thought it was very interesting where some people like me had Shohei Otani on the concern slash avoid list, and someone else said he's going to thrive in a 60-game season. So you can make the case on Otani. The Angels, I think, intend to start him once a week and use him as a DH maybe two, three, four times a week. I'm concerned about injuries. I'm concerned about proper usage and in fantasy knowing. Like, if you have him on your active pitching roster in a weekly league and he might pitch Sunday – well, if there's a rain out, he may not pitch at all that week. So where do you stand on Otani? He's a very divisive player for fantasy purposes. Do you yeah, like or not I like that was interesting, and I, I noted you wrote that. Um, yeah, I, we'll have to see how they play it out because, yes, the original plan was to pitch him once a week, which is what he did in Japan, which is basically what he did as a rookie before he got hurt. With fewer games now and each game being more important, do they put him on a traditional schedule and pitch him once every five days, which would mean less DH time, right? If you're going to sit him the day before he pitches and maybe the day after, um, or do they, you know, kind of juggle everybody's schedule so he's every seventh day? I don't know. That's definitely one of the major storylines to watch between now and July 24th. What will the Angels say about using him but i'm not concerned i think he'll be fine he's also coming back from tommy john surgery and having a very short spring training so i I gotta and you know but what's interesting is he's not signed to a long-term contract either so like garrett cole's got 250 millions coming to him the yankees do not want him having tommy john at any time the angels with otani i mean i guess in theory they could lose him yeah not this year but yeah i don't know what his 
if his service time rules are like other foreign players or if he's still under the six-year, you know, team control. Um, but the Angels, yeah, again, that's how hard are you going to push these guys? Because that's a team they need to win. You got Mike Trout in his prime. You sign Anthony Rendon. Otani's your best pitcher if healthy. Um it's time for them to do something. You have a new manager, Joe Madden. How's he going to push him? You know, Joe Madden's old. He wants to win another World Series so he can get into the Hall of Fame. So Otani's one of the absolute most fascinating players of 2020. It's so unfair <laughs> that everybody just says, well, they have Mike Trout. They need to win now. But nobody says that about Bryce Harper who also needs to win, but he has 13 years to do it. Wait, so, you see, compare Bryce Harper to Mike Trout? Well, they've been compared in the past. Nobody's saying they're the same player right now. <laughs> I'm giving okay? you a bad time. But, yeah, but no, I know what you're saying. It's not like they're future, they're, both a future, they're both future Hall of Famers. I mean, I think Bryce Harper's on that track. Yeah, but like the way Mike Trout's going to fall off a cliff in two years. But Of course not. But the way the media looks at Bryce Harper is they say, he has another 12 years to win a, a World Series or two, whereas Angels fans and media look at Trout and say they need to win now. And it's kind of unfair. Yeah. Yes, they signed Rendon, but he's going to be there a decade. They had plenty of time <laughs> to win this World Series. Do they? Do you think teams are – we think that they're more likely to push in to win the World Series in 2020, but there will be kind of like an unassigned asterisk this season as well, whereas somebody could say – Oh, yeah, Trout won a World Series, but it happened in the asterisk year. That's unfair, too. I don't – I mean, yeah, I think so. Like, you're going to tell Clayton Kershaw if he win, wins a ring finally that it doesn't matter, it doesn't count the same? You know, once uh, – again, we preface everything as we, we hope the games are played, but – and I know there's not going to be fans in most parks, but once the players start competing, they're going to want to win – and I think as fans, we're going to care. We know it's not a normal season, but, you know, whatever team pig piles at the end of the year, that's going to count. If you win your fantasy league, it's going to count. So when that team pig piles, will, will they be wearing masks? <laughs> yeah, maybe there won't be a pig pile. I think Sam Miller, our colleague, brought that up. On the, <laughs> what will the, the World Series celebration look like? Maybe it'll be like the 1950s where they get the final out. They walk off the field and they shake hands. That's how they celebrated titles back then. I mean, I don't even know if you can shake hands. Yeah. I mean, after our softball game yesterday, we did these fake, you know, elbow yeah. things with the other team. We didn't even touch. I just, man, what a what a weird year. Um, let's uh, bring Kyle in because I think we have a trivia question and we're going to need uh, some time to ruminate about the answer there. So. Kyle, you're taking the role of Tristan's trivia today, so that means you have to sing the song. I hope you have it ready. Yeah, no, I, I'm not quite the singer, and I can't give the trivia that Tristan does, but this will be trivia Eric and Dave don't know. <laughs> That's my version. How's that? Not really in tune or, you know, big-headed or anything. But So we've got trivia for the second half of last season, because that's the last time we saw baseball. Can you name the three players with at least three combo meals in the second half of last season, there were 26 years of age or younger. Dave, a combo meal, home run, and a steal in the same game. And 26 or younger. Well, I'll go Acuna would be the obvious one. That would be the obvious and correct answer. There's two more. 
Does Eric know the answer to this? I no. Why would I know the answer? I mean, Not, first no, of all. because he was 27 last year. Oh, how about uh, thing, Corey yeah, Bellinger? Go ahead. Who? Bellinger? Nope. No. Right the first letter of his last name for one of them, though. He didn't steal it enough. Hmm. So the last name is a B. One's a B, one's an M, if that helps. <laughs> well, we this show is just taking a turn. Uh, <laughs> Look, Eric, you know I never pay attention to stolen bases in fantasy, so why would I get the answer right here? Who's a, a base? I mean, Mookie Betts, who's a, but he's not. He's over 26, right? So we need a no. base stealer with a B in their name. That you like. Oh, Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio. This one's a tough one. Do, Dave, do I like Kevin Biggio too much? So, I no, <laughs> you don't. You you like him properly because I had an argument with my editor who was kind of bad mouthing Kevin Biggio a little bit. This guy is your classic underrated player. He and in fantasy, okay, he hurts you in batting average. He's going to steal. He's going to hit for enough power. He's going to score a lot of runs. If he's batting leadoff in that lineup, he's a really good fantasy player. He gets on base. Yeah. So he, he's, he may bat 230, but in a, in a six-month season, I see like potential for 20, 20 seasons, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases, and 100 runs. And since he's not a gold-glove second baseman, he can play left field. I, I, I think he's valuable. Yeah. I. I I like him would, and um, yeah, fourteen out of fourteen I think in steals last year. He's Chase Utley with a lower batting average. Yeah, hundred points lower, but <laughs> hundred. Utley was never hitting three thirty. Um, what was the other hint on the uh, on last the guy? One, last one. He's young. Last name starts with an M. He's an AL outfielder. Oh, so it's not Adalberto Mondesi. Correct. Who is an infielder? Fact. Last name starts with an M, and he's a base stealer. Wow, we're supposed to be uh, experts here. We can't come up with this one. It made Keith quite happy. How's that, Eric? Oh, Oscar Mercado. There it is. Uh-huh. Our friend Keith Lipscomb is a Cleveland Indians yeah. fan, so that gave that away. That's a good trivia question. Now, it, it's important to note that um, comma meals don't always equate to fantasy success. I mean, obviously, a home run and a stolen base is great. But some of these players don't just do that as much in the same game. I mean, Mike, Mike Trout should be stealing more bases, but what did he steal last year, like 11 or something? So I have no idea if Trout's going to even want to steal bases this season or I was, play. I was going to ask you that. Like, yeah, a, a guy like Christian Yelich, right? You know, what did he steal last year, 30 bases? Yeah. I, like 30 I, for I wonder if those guys are going to, like you just said, are they going to even care to steal this year? I would be I wary know. about the superstars on a prorated basis running as much as last year. I'm a little wary about anybody. I mean, I guess Malik Smith, that's his thing, so he should be doing it. But I agree with you. Like, I don't know. If I'm Mike Trout, okay, why would I want to steal? Obviously, I want to win every game that I can. But am I more likely to steal, stolen, steal bases this year? No. So, like, I'm hoping, let's say Trout plays 60 games. And bats three hundred, twenty something home runs. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to extrapolate numbers. Like you're hoping that somebody hits twenty home runs among the leaders, yeah. right? I so, mean, is that what thirty seven percent? 
So eighteen and a half home runs equals fifty. Right. So twenty seems like a lot. Twenty is a lot. Yep. But is is how many players are stealing like ten bases? Yeah. Not. I mean, not Trout many. barely did it in a, a full season. How's he going to do it in a, in a third of a season? And. You know, you steal a base during a season, you bang up your wrist, and you miss two games, not a big deal. Well, two games in, you know, 60-game seasons, like missing a week almost. So yeah, players aren't even going to steal for that reason. So, but then as a result, Dave, one could make the case, I've seen this in the fantasy industry, that Malik Smith is worth a lot more than he would have been worth in a full season. That And – and I hate saying this, but somebody in one of my leagues has already put up for bidding Billy Hamilton in a league, <laughs> assuming assuming that the Giants will have Hamilton make the team and steal bases. He'll be the guy in the 10th inning to start at second base. And I do think that every team could have a Terrence score or Billy Hamilton type on the roster, on the active roster that they only use for first stolen base, pinch-running purposes. Right. If Billy Hamilton leads the league in stolen bases but bats 20 times, it's like Herb Washington in <laughs> 1974. But that's going to be – that's going to have value. In an NL-only league, Billy Hamilton will have value. I don't think he will in a mixed league. But what are your thoughts there? That's a different style of baseball. Yeah, that will yeah. Be well, that's another one of those strategic options. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, they'll start with 30-man active rosters. And they pare it down to 26, right? So I don't know what the schedule on when they do that cut down. Um, so certainly two, two weeks, yeah. There's room for a guy like that. I don't know once they get down to 26 guys. I, you know, I don't. I have not said great things about Billy Hamilton over the years because when he first came up, I said he just can't hit enough to keep a job. Defense is nice. Billy Hamilton might also be San Francisco's starting center fielder for all we know. Yeah, no, you're right. He's probably on their roster all year. Uh, oh, he's definitely on their roster. The, the question is, can he get on base enough to steal enough bases to matter in fantasy? And I don't see why he's – I don't see why Billy Hamilton's any different than Malik Smith right now. Yeah, so, Malik Smith's got to earn, earn some playing time. I saw Jared Kellenick's on their provisional roster. He could be up pretty quick. Talk about the Mariners. I mean, you know, we assume that that's one of the – say there's five teams that automatically can't contend right now. We think that Padres, Phillies, Reds, Blue Jays can compete. But the Mariners are probably one of those teams like the Tigers and the Orioles that, and the Marlins that just can't. No, Mariners how, are bad. <laughs> but so how different is that going to look this year? For fantasy purposes, I, I would say there's no way they'd bring up a Jared Kalanick because they'd start his clock. But what do we see? Like, is Shed Long going to be one of the fantasy heroes this year? Because the Mariners can play him every day. They can lead him off. He may not be a good real-life player. But in fantasy, he's a guy who has power and steals. He can be Kevin Biggio to, to like, a, a, some degree there. Yeah, kind of a similar skill set. Um I don't know. I think Kellenick will be up at some point. I think they want to get him 100 at-bats in the majors. Um, but, yeah, the team's not good. Mitch Hanniger's hurt. I'm not sure when he's going to be ready. J.P. Crawford doesn't have any fantasy value. Kyle Seeger, he had a pretty good second half. I, I think he hurt his hand early on. Um, he was pretty good in the second half, but 
Yeah. I mean, I know Shed Long's tearing up the uh, baseball reference uh, sim league, but I wouldn't uh, count on that in real life. They finally re-promoted Kingery. I like he might he must have like said something to the manager to get demoted for three months. I'm not sure what happened there, but um, you know, you bring up another point. Fantasy managers, not, my leagues are doing this right now. Set your ground rules now. Yeah. Well before the season. When is your trade deadline? How is your free agent budget going to work? Um, what do you add roster spots for the the you know the extra you know virus people that that miss a week or two um what do you do with your fees uh my league one of my leagues has a fee i think it's 175 i think it's dropping to 100 that's okay but it also there was the option that if somebody in the league did not want to pay their fee they would just be ineligible to win money it's a really good commissioner in this league as a friend of mine he does a great job and basically there was a lot of infighting earlier in the season about rules he said how about this and everybody's going along with it because they like him I think that that's a good thing. If somebody doesn't want to pay, just make them ineligible to win money, you know, but nobody should be forced to. Maybe they're out of work. Who knows? Yeah, um, no. So, and you don't want to get on July 25th, you know, it's going to play out. I got a question for you. How do you value the big sluggers that kind of came out of nowhere last year? Uh, Pete Alonzo, he was a good prospect, but we didn't expect 53 home runs. Jorge Soler, Hunter Dozier, guys like that. Do you view those guys as the real deal or flukes or they're tough to evaluate for me? I think we've talked about Alonzo on this show as being overrated in comparison to players like him. Pete Alonzo could easily next year, instead of hitting 53 home runs, hit 39. And if he does that, he looks like a lot of other players. He's not, And his batting average was like 260. That might be a high point. So I noted that we might have already seen Alonzo's best fantasy season. I have him in a 16-team league, and I'm looking to trade him. So, But power is power. And to me, if you don't have enough of it, you can't win your league. You cannot punt power. You can punt stolen bases. You can punt saves. You can punt batting average. You cannot punt power. So Solaire is a really important fantasy player this year, right? I mean, I think it's... In fact, one of the, one of my issues with with Alonzo's um, value is that he's going to go in the third round. So Larry's going to go around ten, and they're almost similar. Yeah, that's the same. Point. Yeah, your your relative draft position. What about another guy to me that's hard to pick? Joey Gallo. Ugh. Only, I mean, two fifty three last year. If he hits two fifty three, sure. that's a really valuable player because he hit twenty two home runs in seventy games. But we didn't have a second half. To know if that 253 was just a fluke. Do you think that because pitching is going to be changed this year, we're going to see a lot more bad middle relievers, that guys like Joey Gallo and Alonzo and Soler could hit 280 in a shortened season? In a shortened season, Luis Arise could about 400. I think you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff with batting average because look who they're going to face. I mean, the Phillies have to use guys like Pavetta and Velasquez, even if they're not in the rotation. They're going to be long relievers. So these hitters are going to be able to tee off on these guys. So, <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Gallup maybe home runs will go up, you know, because you're, you're going to probably see more young pitchers that teams are going to let's see what they have. Yeah, early on for sure, you're going to see more of that bad middle relief. Yeah, maybe the hitters will have have the advantage. And I, I think by the time we talk to you next Monday, we're going to learn a lot more about maybe rosters. 
like the Reds with Aristides Aquino, he clearly is not in their plans, at least it looks for now, for this year. He's the one guy that jumps out to me. There hasn't been any other, like, strange roster movements. You know, some play like the Phillies released Matt Caesar and Drew Smiley. No big deal. They weren't, weren't going to play major roles. But, you know, like, maybe now, like, uh, Nick Senzel plays more if Aquino is not on the active roster. That was the one move over the weekend I thought, well, wow, that's kind of interesting. Aquino hit well what, in August and then did not hit well in September. I think even you might have him on a, on a fantasy or a sim team somewhere. And um, that's something to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks is you can get an idea how organizations view their players. Now we know the Reds maybe not view Aquino as a, a key factor. No, I mean, and obviously their outfield picture is very crowded. So that's their way probably of saying he's available via trade for probably nothing. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on another team. Um, and yes, trading. Who knows what's <laughs> going to happen there? You know, Mariners just give away Kyle Seeger to a team that has a guy go down with virus for three weeks. You know, I mean, yeah. that could happen. Yeah, I don't – I have no idea. You know, I can't imagine the Indians would trade like a Francisco Lindor, like you said. You know, they have a chance to win it all. But I I, I don't think we're going to see like many blockbusters in real life. But that doesn't mean you can't do blockbusters in fantasy. And that is where we will end on. Uh, thank you so much, Dave Schoenfield. we got to end the show now because Kyle's going on vacation. But also let you know that Friday, we instead of Thursday this week, we're doing a show on Friday. And we'll bring in June Lee again to talk about the excellent movie Sugar, which um, I think a lot of people like, but a, lo- a lot of people haven't seen it either. So if you haven't seen the movie Sugar, go check it out because it tells a lot about um, how tough it is for for Latin American players to play get dumped into Iowa and play baseball it's 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 a tough and you've seen the movie right Dave you're you're a fan of, you must be a fan of it yeah excellent movie and yeah it tells the the tale of a kid signed from out of the Dominican I believe it's it's a fictional story but with a real life perspective and it hammers home very few of these kids even from the Dominican make the majors and there's a lot of stories like this kid. And so it's one of the best baseball movies ever. No doubt. It's not uh, one of these goofy comedies. It's a heartfelt uh, movie with a, with a good take. All right, check it out. We'll be back on Friday this week to prepare for the July 4th weekend. Thanks so much to ESPN senior writer, uh, Dave Schoenfeld. Check out his fine work at ESPN's MLB coverage. Kyle Sapi, you're just awesome. Uh, Tristan is somewhere, and I'm Eric Carroll. Please, everybody, have an awesome and safe and healthy week.